Welcome back to Music Through My Eyes podcast. It's been so long, I can't believe it. I mean, I guess I had to take a short break after doing such an extensive breakdown of Punisher, but it's time to get back in the game and do a new episode. I have missed this so much. So much new music has come out including Phoebe Ritters, and I'm really excited to talk about my favorite band, Boy Genius, who I have obviously mentioned a lot, but I have not done an actual episode on, and I mean, what better place to start than analyzing the record, which is their first full album. I'm so excited to get into this. This is... This album blew me away. I mean, every time one of these artists, you know when you're like, you have this favorite artist and they announce that they're coming out with new music. You get excited, but you also get nervous. Like you always kind of get worried that it won't meet your expectations a little bit because you have, especially when you put so much stock into an artist and you love them so much and you're like, wow, this is amazing. But also where can they go from here when you put out such a perfect thing? Like you can't duplicate something so perfect well i kind of felt that when the record was coming out you know it's like my three favorite artists in the whole world coming together and i mean i have so much to say about this but like i was anticipating this for three years and i'll talk about my history with boy genius as a band in a second but i just want to say like you know i was everyone was in high anticipation for this i mean it's their first album they had such high stakes basically because their first ep was just mind-blowing and it was incredible and you're like how can they take this this kind of talent make a full album exceeding or at least matching that first ep well they exceeded it is all i'm gonna say they exceeded my expectations they exceeded everyone's expectations absolutely incredible but it just blew me away and i i think that i'm making a grammy prediction but this had better win album of the year and it better be nominated at the very least because this is not only album of the year this is a revolutionary album that is changing the music industry. I think this album is going to be recognized in history, like for making such an impact. And I have mixed feelings about the way that it took off because obviously I want this album to be loved, but also it's like the gatekeeper in me is like, well, I like them for so long and this was an album that I really wanted. You have like a love-hate relationship when your favorite artist starts to get really famous. It gives you less accessibility to them and concert tickets prices go up and like all of that but there's also this great thing that oh my gosh the world is seeing what I've been seeing and I'm so happy for them that they're getting the love and appreciation that they deserve more than any other artist right now because they are truly changing the music industry and this album really did that and i mean it just it took off more than any of their solo work ever has and how rare is that i mean a super group with three individual artists is rare in itself but when their super group comes together and it actually is more well renowned than their actual solo music which is not to say like anything what does it mean when a lot of people listen to something it's just popular but still it is an indication that it's like accessible to so many different audiences when it's actually very niche music and i think that's so wonderful and it feels like such a breath of fresh air that this is what is taking over the billboards and charts right now is this kind of an album because 
it is so unique and different and not just another pop album with just a few radio hits. It is special and intricate and and I'm so, so lucky that it came out during the time that I'm alive. You know, this is the kind of music like that you hear from like the 70s when like, you know, the music was just having its renaissance and you're like, oh man, I wish I could have been alive during the time when that came out. And it's like, well, I am, and I am so lucky. I'm so happy to share this. And, you know, they've been on tour since, I mean, they did their kind of premiere debut show in April that I was lucky enough to attend, which was a last minute thing. But they started in June and they are touring until this week. And when I'm lucky, I get to go to their final show on Halloween, which is it's just so appropriate, especially for Phoebe Bridgers. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. But before I go to that and before their tour's over, I want to break down this album. So let's do some backstory. You know, the record came out the 31st of March, 2023. So it's a debut album of the supergroup Boy Genius, like I said, of the indie artists Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. And some backstory on their band boy genius is they like i said they put out the ep self-titled in 2018 um consisting of six songs i knew each of these two ladies i knew lucy and phoebe we had both met performing on tour torbiting a piece of vocabulary i will steal from phoebe yeah um and uh i think lucy you remember it better than i do because i just was kind of like talking uh, in very loose hypothetical terms one day about the pipe dream of having a band of all my favorite people that I had met in music where I could play lead guitar. Yeah, we forced the stars to align. <laughs> like we were all on our own tour and we're like, we really want to make this work. And so everybody carved out a little bit of time in their insanely busy schedule to um, get together. And it was so fun. Um, yeah, it was like, a, it was a pretty immediate dynamic of just all of us getting on the same page. I mean, I came to the table with like two halves of songs sort of barely. And these guys brought out the rest of the stuff. I think we did that for each other. I think I can speak for all of us when I say True. that. I feel like this is the most egalitarian songwriting process I've ever been a part of, like making this record, you know? And the most like replenishing part of this project was just the complete trust. Like I felt like everybody wanted to understand each other and nobody was kind of pushing an agenda. But I feel like if I didn't trust you both, there's no sort of like logical impetus for us to collaborate that would not have created something that sounded manufactured or artificial. You know what I mean? Because then it would have been purely like a formulaic endeavor. And I'm glad it wasn't that. It was just buds. They were performing it and everyone loved it. It was revolutionary. And, you know, they weren't even classified technically as a super group. They were just friends who were all individual singers who were just beginning their rise in the music industry. And they each released another album, at least. Julian, I think, released two after the EP. They began to get more fans. Um, obviously, Phoebe Bridger's album Punisher was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys. We know now from all the interviews that it was in the works even during the time of Punisher, which is so eerie to me that they were like, they already knew what was coming. 
I discovered Boy Genius just the same way most of the fans did, which kind of is like, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's nice to gatekeep and all of that and be like, no, I was one of the first Boy Genius fans. But no, I discovered Boy Genius at the same time as most people. I'm going to say the majority of fans did coming from, you know, discovering Phoebe's music or at least one of the Boy Genius members. I think for me, this really derived from like my love for me and my dog, which is track three, I'm pretty sure, off of the EP. It really spoke to me. I really was enthralled, not just by the sound of it, you know, in the recorded studio album version, but the version of it live at Brooklyn Steel. I remember I was showing it to every single person that I knew because Phoebe in the live version, you see her, you can hear her belt these two lines from me and my dog. Anyway, it's very specific. I'll play that maybe now. this to say I was obsessed with this live performance and eight months later of just thinking about this and watching this video all the time um the band made an announcement they started on Instagram made redid their whole boy genius Instagram page and they posted that they were to release three new songs $20 true blue and Emily I'm sorry fans were over the moon. I was over the moon. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that they're doing this. They're actually doing this. Like what I thought was near impossible. They're so busy with touring. You know, Phoebe had just ended the Punisher tour and she's about to go on with Taylor Swift. I was like, how is she doing so much? Kind of surrounded by some stress for me because I was like, well, am I not going to be able to put uh, enough of my thought and energy into this because, you know, the, just the stuff surrounding it is so distracting. And it was like, I think we were really able to kind of live in the moment and do it. I think all in all, I got energy from recording. Exactly. She gave it like I, I came out of that four days in the studio, just like ready to write more and like with a yeah, better understanding. True. There was a lot of apprehension, at least for me, because I'm super type A about everything. So I was like experiencing the same sort of uh, w uh, concerns that you were just talking about, Phoebe, thinking like, well, I'm, I've been touring constantly. Uh, you feel like maybe there's not a lot of resources to bring to songwriting when yeah. you're a little bit like dry, but it ended up being a very replenishing exercise, you know what I mean? Uh, instead of feeling like it was taxing or taking something out of me. So they came out with these three songs, singles released, and they were announced along with their first album. It was a global sensation. And the three members were, their music is so loved by their fans, but their fans relatively and compared to other like big pop artists, their fan base is smaller. And so it was kind of a little bit unexpected that it received so much applause and gained so many new fans than any of their solo work. But I guess that's what happens when you have a super group. You get the best of all worlds. 
Okay, wait. I should rephrase that. That is what happens when you put Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus in a studio together. Pure ingenuity. So let's go into the name. Boy Genius is kind of, it's essentially like a state of being that like fans in society can view in other supergroups, all of whom were primarily male over the years. When you think of a rock, you're like, oh, this is a rock band. Nirvana's a rock band. You look at Hole, that's a female rock band. And Boy Genius didn't want to be another female rock band. Like no hate to those rock bands, but they wanted to just be equivalent in the industry to any other rock star. And I think Boy Genius or like the boys is just, it's gender neutral. It's just a term for just, we are rock stars. We don't need to be defined by our genders, you know, to kind of denote us in what we are and what the kind of music we put out is. In a Rolling Stone issue, actually, speaking of Nirvana, they took the cover of the original Nirvana iconic photo shoot from Rolling Stone magazine and redid it, and it was really fitting. They took such an iconoclastic photo shoot and they made it modernized and female. It was Boy Genius. I think most often, though, they're combined. They're connected to Crosby, Stills, and Nash, um, but the running joke is that they all think they're the Neil Young of the group, who's obviously came later, which kind of just highlights that despite their fame, they're all just the same artists who always feel like the odd one's out. But I think they're right. So, like, Phoebe brings Neil Young's fame and his presence and maybe some of his, I don't know, some of his songwriting. And then you've got Julian, who brings just the most modest yet rock and roll persona. And then you've got, you know, the heavier electric guitar riffs that she brings to the table. And then Lucy brings those, I mean, besides her voice and talent, she brings those incredible poetic songwriting skills. And I'm going to say that out of the three of them, I would say that they each have a special talent despite being good at all the things that they do and like I would say out of all of them Lucy Dacus is the best poet ever I mean she actually says in interviews that her music comes to her in poetry before she adds a melody and I think that's really you can see that in her songs solo and in this you can just see what's Lucy's like she tells stories she's like a true poet when she writes music I like that the band calls themselves the boys, you know, just to kind of seal their name, committing to their title. It's also just, again, this gender neutral title for themselves. They're not like the women who are in this rock band. They're just, they're just the boys. Buds, just buds. Just buds making music. <laughs> guys being dudes. You know, Lucy Dacus described boy genius as like just guys who have been told their whole life that they're, they're geniuses ever since they could listen to anybody's opinions. So the band instantly hit the road after the release of the album. The album came out March 31st, April 12th. They did their last minute announcement for a premiere show in Pomona. I've seen a few Boy Genius shows, but there was really something magical about this night because it was such a small venue in comparison to the ones that they were to play in the future. It felt really personal. In comparison to the other ones that they did that I saw, it felt the most akin to the like the Brooklyn Steel live show, the famous one that I've been talking about. No microphone performance of Ketchum Idaho at the end. It gave this really homey effect and it felt like such a special community where you know everyone who's there loves, loves, loves them. And there was no ulterior reason to be there except to support and listen to their music. Anyways, long prolonged intro, but I want to get into the breakdown of the songs one by one the way I usually do with the solo artist work. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a golden album 
and the dramatic appraisal is more than warranted. It has surmounted my expectations and I think everyone else's and it's just incredible. It's just the mix of all of them and it's taking their best qualities. It feels like they are using their best song ideas that they would have written for their solo work and bring it to the table. This feels like the icing of the cake. And they've talked about this before, that they only bring their best ideas for Boy Genius because there's more pressure almost, I think, for them when they bring music to the table. They're like, this has to be good, not just for me, but this is dependent on their careers too. Like, this is going to be under their name. They're going to be singing this. I want this to be music that they love, that they can appreciate, that they want to sing, that they can relate to, and that other people are going to enjoy hearing them sing. And, you know, there's just, it's a more complex thing when you're bringing a song to a band I think in a way than if you're just putting it out for yourself so let's begin the album with without you without them the first track on the album this was probably the most unexpected thing that they could do I think with their first opening song while it feels like boy genius it is something and it fits them perfectly it's just not what I was expecting especially with the first three singles being so musical that is to say this song is completely acapella and I mean it's great I think that they used their voices this way because I mean they all have such incredible voices which is kind of rare for a super group I mean even the most famous super groups usually have one main singer and this is an example of three artists who all have their amazing voices on their own solo work and they're coming together to put out an album and it's this is a really good example of how they shared their sounds together and their voices this is a lucy song she wrote it it's not quite clear whatever who wrote every single song or if it was co-written but lucy said this was an idea of hers that she brought to the table and it makes sense it's this extremely poetic kind of comforting kind of nostalgic sound that Lucy is so good at bringing and it's it feels like old-fashioned and vintage something you would hear from a very long time ago of the three of these singers voices coming together to harmonize give me everything you got I'll take what I can get I want to hear your story and be it's interesting that they chose to do it a cappella because the three of them are such incredible musicians, but I think they wanted to begin this with a kind of juxtaposition to heavier metal or heavier instruments, instrumental songs that were to come. And they wanted to just kind of express their love together almost in a way as if they were talking to one another, almost as if this is like a message to open up the album. It's about basically their appreciation for one another's ancestors because without them one another would not exist and they would not be able to share their lives together and know one another which is a theme carried out throughout this album i mean the album in itself is truly about their friendship and that they've said many times that their band above all else is just friends coming together and putting out music Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, until the words run dry, we'll see eye to I think there's like a pattern that Lucy brings in this album that we'll see is like that her songs are very wholesome. Their, her songs are very much about how much 
they love one another. It's true, even when you see them perform. I've never seen artists in a band show so avidly how much they love one another and how much they care for one another and how much their music comes second to their friendship and that it wouldn't work any other way. Thank my father before me, his mother before him. Who would I be without you without them? They wouldn't have this band. They wouldn't have found themselves so much without one another, and that wouldn't be done without their ancestors and their ancestors. And it kind of is just this chain of events how everything has to in you know nature has to perform this extremely specific cycle in order to create such a wonderful friendship and family that you have and it's something kind of miraculous to find people that you can know yourself better through knowing them and understanding that there's so much more to history and to the world than just you guys coming together but this is based on coincidences and sequences of events from centuries that led you to be here and come to meet one another and there's something so magical and special about that which is can be heard also audibly through this song now there's something i think really cool about this intro because just for a second they almost trick you into forgetting that this is a rock album with this ethereal first track you know you feel like you're in nature surrounded by fairies this it doesn't feel like, oh, this is the beginning into a rock album. And it has this ending where it kind of draws out and suddenly you just get slammed with the second track, which begins with, as an interviewer of Boy Genius coined, a guitar riff from hell. Now, this was the first out of the three songs that were released prior to the album. And it is, to me, Julian Baker and her style of music. And it instantly draws you back to reality. Oh, yeah, this is a rock album. I forgot. You know, like, the artists have not, like, sorted out, like I said, exactly what songs were written and brought by who. But, like, it's pretty safe to take some educated guesses. And my assumption would be that this was a Julian song from the beginning. That isn't to say that her music solo isn't a lot of ballads, but she does have this edge to her that I think she brought. And even the lyrics and the music video that comes with it, it's all centered around Julian. So Julian's voice comes in first at the momentary break in sound right before the guitar picks up again with the lines. It's a bad idea this song reflects on his childhood and searching for success and it really does have like a masculine approach to the lyricism it's talking about flighty reckless behavior a frenetic search for purpose and for success it's the kind of classic things you hear in, you know i don't want to say male yeah i'll say male rock bands 
um, there's a real contrast to this sweet and innocent sound, both in, yeah, both in the lyrics and in the, the melody and the production of the song from the first opening track. I love the line. paints this other side of boy genius that's rebellious and it's this is the side of them that's really shown in this track like this is one of my favorite favorite songs to hear live because it's just you can tell they're having so much fun it really does paint the imagery of cars and fire which is a common theme i think throughout this album How long's the Chevy and a lot of songs are really funny which is kind of was not expected with boy genius you know a lot of their solo music most of it no all of it is really sad and this album is a really good combination and it feels almost like stepping out of their comfort zone a little bit like the real message is actually really sad but there's kind of like this dark humor that they kind of use and exhibit in this album and they're going, all three of them are doing much heavier rock songs than they were. And I think they might feel like a little bit more leeway to be like rock stars when they're together. Like they're like, we're a band, we're a rock band. So they get to finally be those, the boy genius rock stars with being in this band together. And they kind of all encourage one another to, to step out of their comfort zone and do that. If they can be acapella and singing as if they were, you know, by a river in the forest. And they can also sing about being arsonists. Like it's... There's a great rebellion to this song. I love, the, like I said, the line, how long has the Chevy been on cinder blocks is great because it's kind of like the masculine version, as they said, to knitting projects that you never finish as women. And it's just in general, it's just like to take away the stereotypical gender themes. It's just left unattended work that I think especially artists can relate to, like songs that you never finished that are just kind of waiting there and are kind of an example of your an inability to finish a project. So the end of this song ends with a three-part outro, which is so clever. Julian singing this solo song, except for, you know, Phoebe and Lucy singing background. Until now, you have Julian singing her line, and then Lucy adds in her own verse. And then Phoebe finally comes in, closing up the outro with her screaming with every bit of her soul. also hints back i think at a lyric off of their ep it's great what's great about this is that there's so many little easter eggs i think if you search for them as 
Boy Genius fans had so much time to parse through and really understand the hidden meanings in the EP songs that it's like when this album came back out, we were able to see, oh my gosh, that is a reference to Souvenir, for instance, which I think this song is. So in Souvenir, they sing, $20 in Souvenir Anything's worth trying I'm still trying to decipher exactly what the point of $20 is. Or what it stands for, which it could just be an integration of money that, like, is so commonly heard in music, or male music specifically. But I think it's a play on the lyric that they tried Souvenir, the song that was on their EP, and now they're trying $20. They're referring to these two words as songs. It's also just reflective on the line, run out of gas, out of time, out of money, you're doing what you can which is just kind of like reflecting on their exhaustion of existence and the genuineness of doing just their best, which is another motif in this album that we're going to just hear a lot of. It's just, it's kind of being disbelieving of their title, Boy Genius, and just doing, showing that this is their best that they can do. I think also there's like, if we want to look at maybe a political standpoint of where this is coming from, it's that maybe a capitalist depiction of the world and how everything is revolved around financial worth needing money just to survive and it's not just about what you want to do i think this song a lot of it's like the struggle of the artist of wanting to pursue what you want but also needing to be financially stable and responsible and the kind of angst that that gives you the next song is a whirlwind just because of again the juxtaposition from this current coming song emily i'm sorry to twenty dollars these first three tracks alone are like taking you on a journey that is akin to a classical piece like it's not just an album with strictly one sound it is it's like a roller coaster of emotions of musical sounds of production so from the rock sound of twenty dollars you're finally getting into it you're like all right this is a rock album and then you get the acoustic sound of guitar picking moments before phoebe's soft voice comes in and I just want to take a moment to appreciate Phoebe Bridgers and the magic that she is. She went from bellowing the last line of the previous song, like so raspy and so angrily, to singing this song, Emily, I'm Sorry, in the most tender, clear, sad way possible. Phoebe Bridgers just has such a range and it will never fail to impress me. She's asleep. In the backseat, looking peaceful enough to me, but she's waking up inside a dream full of screeching tires and fire. I think of two references that this could be making. Actually, no, three. So the last one just came to me, but it's this image that Phoebe posted on Instagram of while they were shooting for uh, the Rolling Stones article. There's this photo of Julian asleep on Lucy's shoulder in the backseat of the car. And that's like what I think of when I think of she's asleep in the backseat. The other two references are from the artist's previous work. The first thing I think of is the continuation of the same track, Souvenir, which is like I hear a lot of references to Souvenir in this album so far. Dream Come. 
is an implication of the same thing of like a person having a nightmare while asleep in the back of the car but like looking very peaceful from the outside like we don't know what's going on in the inner workings of a person's brain when they're asleep we can't tell necessarily what they're thinking about which can be mirrored in real life people can put on a smile when inside they're really going through it but we as humans are really good at masking our emotions and even when we're unconscious the same can be said it's hard to know what a person's going through just from what they look like and also in souvenir the singer knows that the dream catcher is not working and in emily i'm sorry it's basically the same thing she's having nightmares or thinking of kind of calamitous things like it's basically pointing out the same kind of image that the singer of the song is aware of what the person that they're singing about is looking like to the outside but it's almost like i know better i know what they're going through because i know them so well and in this situation they're talking about this character emily it's significant of how sometimes people can misread our surface level emotions but the ones that really know us well know what's going on in our minds, no matter what kind of smile we put on. And that's another motif that we're going to see in further songs. And just trying to act cool when you're inside going through it and the closest people to you know. Now, the second reference that I think of is from Lucy Dacus's solo song off of home video, Christine. You're falling asleep on my shoulder in the back of your boyfriend's car this is clearly a pattern in the boys lyrics it's a symbol of a woman asleep in the backseat of a car and each one of them viewing this girl because it almost feels like the trinity has been closed with this song stay out of Nightmares can be a sign of distress in a person's life. And I would say the singer is the storyteller of this. And she seems to be the one saving the girl who's having these nightmares and is in distress or trying to save them in these songs. is a character is the character of the song which they don't really they haven't done that before i mean lucy does it a lot in her solo work but you don't really have name cards being used a lot in boy genius i don't think they've ever done that it may be a fictional character but for some cultural background on phoebe bridger's past i think that this could possibly though not publicly like disclosed I think that this character might be based on Phoebe Bridger's ex-girlfriend, which there's been speculation on, who was named Emily. I think actually it's, you're simplifying it too much to just say, oh, this is like, not to diss Taylor Swift, but like, this is like a Dear John. Like, this is me talking about this one relationship I had with this one person. And I think there's a lot more depth to it than just her reflecting on her ex-girlfriend and hers breakup i think it's deeper than that but i do think that she might have gotten inspiration and possibly parts of it been using her relationship with emily bannon as like a basis to what this song is about um 
like, I think if you're thinking less specifically, like, it just could be anyone who she, like, subconsciously begins to change herself to fit with. And I think that's a really common trope in relationships. A lot of young people, especially, will try to, like, shape who they are and change themselves based on the people that they're around, especially ones that they're interested in and want their attention. Like, I think in general, it's, we want people to like who we are. And if we have this feeling that somebody won't like us for who we are, especially when we have people who have traits of disliking themselves and self-loathing, they might change themselves to adhere to the person that they like's world and to try to fit in. That's so common, but it's especially like reflective of the people-pleasing mentality. I love the change in the choruses uh, where she says, I can feel first two choruses and then she does the third chorus which is very common thing you start to change yourself for somebody because you want them to like you and then you are in it in the relationship and you're like you can't backtrack you can't start to be yourself or it's hard to and be like haha that was just me trying to get you now that I have you I'm gonna be myself it's once you pretend to be somebody that you're not and you may not be conscious of this which I think you know, the singer of this song is not conscious or wasn't conscious in the relationship that she was changing herself until afterwards and is reflecting on that could probably be one of the main reasons why they didn't last because the other person can tell that they were being fake and they weren't being true to who they were. And at the end of the day, it's this, you know, message that we all hear, but we don't believe, or maybe we do believe, but we act against it subconsciously where we shape ourselves to be who we're not either because we don't like who we are or because we do not know who we are. And then you're realizing that this isn't who you are and you can't go back and change it. And it's about wanting to redo everything that you did and go back in time and be like, oh gosh, I wish I'd just done one thing differently and maybe our relationship wouldn't be over. It's like trying to change fate. My favorite line of the song is... she's old enough to look back at her relationship that failed she's like I still don't know who I am so I don't know how much better I would be in the relationship even if it were to if I, I were to redo it so maybe the whole point of the song is futile because I still couldn't be myself fully and not try to be somebody you would want because I still don't know who that person is but this also could genuinely be a song to her past self in a way and being like I wish that I had kind of a letter to herself and saying and reflecting and being like, here I am now. I still don't know who I am. I might not know who I am, but I'm getting closer to it because at least I know what I want. There's this acceptance that you don't need to know who you are just based on your age or just based on like you don't find yourself the minute a relationship doesn't work out. Something that you tried failed doesn't mean you're instantly going to succeed. I think this reflects the teenager in love adolescent feeling that like 
is notable for just people who are young, but it's not just completely limited to that youthful group. I think it could also be for people who are far into their 20s and how they could still feel. It's making a point that like society expects everyone to figure everything out by the time they're in their 20s and not everyone does. That's just not realistic and not everyone knows who they are and figures out what they want to do at the same age and that sometimes the only thing that you know to be true about yourself is how you feel about somebody else. With so many uncertainties, love might be the only one that you're sure of, only sure part of a person's feelings and something that they know to be true, even if they don't know themselves. I think sometimes it's easier to see someone else than you see yourself. It's easier to know how you feel about them than how you feel about yourself. The next song on the record is the final of the three that got released, is the teasers or the like singles of the album i wanted to get into it but i also want to note like the cohesion of this album so far which is you know how i was saying the three talented musicians and singers share their super group in equality and this can be like i said really rare you know you've got usually a super group with one person who's the lead singer and then the lead guitarist and then etc but you've got Boy Genius who divide their songs, like I said, pretty evenly, each singer getting about three songs that they sing the lead on. After seeing them perform, like, about four times now, I will say that I did notice Julian always takes lead guitar. And they actually talk about this in an interview about what they wanted to do when they kind of started this. Yeah, Julian was like, I'd love to be in a band where I'm not the singer and I can just shred all day long. Exact <laughs> words. And so... Um, I think that, like, she had mentioned, I hadn't met Phoebe at the time, but had mentioned, like, I could sing, Phoebe could play bass or something, and this I'm is so better. I'm glad I don't play bass. Phoebe, I don't know why I stuck you on bass. I used to play bass horribly. I'm very glad that I don't play bass in this band. <laughs> but Phoebe and Lucy do tend to share rhythm guitar, um, but the way the album is placed together, we always get the diversity and clarity of all three of the singers. I want to break down this album just by the structure so far. Without You Without Them is a shared song, obviously. They share harmony together equally. No song is actually just sung by one singer, but like most of them have a primary singer and then have the two singing background vocals, maybe with some solos. So you see this in $20, sung by Julian, signature style of hers, and then you've got Emily I'm Sorry, mainly sung by Phoebe, in her area of expertise musically, a good ballad, and then you've got True Blue, which we're going to hear, sung by Lucy, which is has Phoebe and Julian's voices coming in as background vocals, but they don't have like a solo time that they sing. It's just like with Emily, I'm Sorry. It's just their background vocals. And the trio of the songs, I think what's great about these three songs is that it perfectly represents the individual voices of the musical group's trio, like along with the three musical genres and messages of the album. Like I was saying, $20 it's rebellious. It's a rock and roll. It's a grungy sound. Emily, I'm sorry, is a tearjerker. It's reflective on past relationships, romantic love, that kind of a song. And it has the acoustic indie sound with just guitar and some beats, which is like what we can recognize as the most common for Phoebe. You know, louder drums, some electric guitars, but in a more major key. And the three genres of the album are love, rebellion, and friendship that really makes up what Boy Genius sings about. I mean, there's so much more complex than just that, but those are, I would say, the three main patterns. 
And then eventually, you know, when we go down the track list, we'll see that there are some shared songs that have a sound more akin to each of those themes. And struck it's structured so that each one of them does have, you know, they divvy up their songs pretty evenly so that they each can have their moment to sing a song that maybe goes best with their voice, maybe that they relate to the most, maybe that they enjoy performing the most. And I think that's kind of why they chose those three songs as their singles to have one song represent each chapter of this album. So True Blue is primarily Lucy's solo song. I like the beginning sound too. They've kind of changed it when they perform it live. It starts out with this kind of airy, beautiful, kind of major guitar chord strum, but when they play it live, it made it sound a little bit more electric, which I think makes it sound even better. True Blue, I would say, is one of the most poetic songs. And it has some funny one-liners as well. Like I said, this album does have slightly comedic, if you can even say that, for, you know, it being a Boy Genius album. This is kind of like Emily I'm Sorry, where it's describing a person, but this one is an unnamed character. But I would venture to say that the character that she's talking about actually represents all three of them in the way that they feel about one another, since this song is like a friendship song. You were born in July. Summer's in your blood, you can't help but become the sun, is this radiant line. And I, it's one of the lines that really stuck by me. I feel like in a lot of Lucy's solo work, one of the main focuses is acceptance and forgiveness. And a theme that she uses a lot to describe these themes are nature. And she talks about the sun in songs like Going, Going, Gone. The sun set through a tantrum, it wasn't ready to go just yet. Mother Earth said time for bed It resisted and the sky went red No, the sun can't break the habit of going down This song is about absolution and, you know, the title is obviously the phrase that people use when they're talking about their close friends, you know, with the tried and true blue. But there's also this, like, sneaky hidden meaning that she later told the public about. We know that the Boy Genius members do love that they're double meanings, and this one is a reference to the Chicago Blue Line. When you moved to Chicago, you were spinning out. This song is about the character of the song moving closer to their friends and how they're looking for themselves and getting closer in both distance and in their relationship to the people that they're surrounding themselves with. When you don't know who you are, you fuck around and find out. I think it's a perfect summary of what being a young adult exploring life by moving out, coming home, going to new places, trying to discover more about yourself. I think it really describes that sort of trials and tribula tribulations of being a young adult, kind of going through life not with a distinct plan, which is kind of hinting back towards that theme that I was talking about with I'm 27 and I don't know who I am from Emily, I'm sorry. I think they all are kind of unanimous that 
like they're very aware that life is not just about one direct kind of course of action and following the societal rules that you need to get to to get a job and live a simple life like when you're an artist especially you cannot follow just a distinct plan you kind of have to go through life with an open heart and see what experiences and opportunities you're going to find along the way and you're going to have to go back and redo things and change yourself and figure yourself out independently and through other people simultaneously. I think it's safe to say that this is a theme shared by Boy Genius. We're expected to have jobs, we're expected to have an education, a life goal, a purpose, a steady relationship, and I think these last three songs are all about chasing dreams that you're discovering on the way of life. Like, you don't need to have a dream set up at birth. And you figure out what you want to do. You change your mind. You change your career path. And you screw up your relationships. You're disconnected to who you are. And you end up passing your time living with your friends, single and struggling to be happy. But that is a part of life. And they totally break down that stereotype that life has to be a rhythmic and linear planned thing with goals that you check off and you achieve and it feels like a breath of fresh air to hear them open up about how like even as successful musicians they didn't and they still don't know what they're doing it's true I mean we we love to put on these like exteriors that are like we know what we're doing I've got a plan I've got a life goal I think of like when you're meeting up with a friend and you haven't seen them in a while maybe a friend from like your childhood and you're like yeah, so this is what's been going on in my life. So yeah, I just got a promotion. I just got this. You just want to boast and like kind of talk about all of your things that you've accomplished. And it's like, we don't love to be vulnerable and say, things aren't really going great right now. I'm actually not doing amazing. And we're kind of secretive about something that's probably the most shared and common feeling, feeling like you don't know what you're doing. It feels like everyone is kind of putting on this charade. And and then you got these successful musicians, right? They are literally have so many goals that so many people would love to have. They have the element of fame. They're doing exactly what they want to do and they're succeeding at it. I mean, this is like an artist's dream. And they're like, look, we still don't know what we're doing. We're still not happy. Like, it's not a linear equation. Like, life is not just so mathematical that you do X and Y. It's a roller coaster. And I mean, I know I'm kind of going off track, but like, I just want to say music is supposed to be so relatable and it is relatable but it's so rare to me that you hear about music like this that's so vocal about not understanding what you're doing and not understanding why you got where you got not knowing for sure why you're not completely happy now that you've received everything that you wanted it's just growth is not linear growth is not an end point it's just a journey and it's just that's what these songs represent. You're not going to reach this place where you're just like, everything is amazing all the time, like, and perfectly happy and content with your life. And it doesn't mean that you know who you are just because you're from an outside perspective doing well. Now about this song, another message that it's really saying is there's no better way than to say, I love you than to say, it feels good to be known so well. But it feels good to be
think this is another, this is going back to what I was saying earlier. Sometimes your loved ones can read you better than you know yourself. Simply because we overthink who we are in our own heads and we don't really witness the way that we live from an external standpoint. We're so caught up in what on the smaller things in life and so focused on ourselves and we're so lost in ourselves and so overwhelmed that we can lose sight of the important things and of who we are and why we're here. And, and that's not to say that there's a reason for why we're here. It's just to say that we don't fully see the full picture all the time. And we may lose sight of who we are in the process. And I would venture to say that there's like, there's a possibility that we all do know who we are really inside. Like people say, oh, I don't know who I am. I think people do know who the, who they are and you just have to search for that. But it's inside of you. Like we look for what we already know as we go through life. Like it's already there. We just need to find it. This may be like more visible to loved ones. And because sometimes people who love you love you more than you love yourself and that can be a way for them to see you better and the fact that they love you while knowing who you are as well that is a gift it's so crazy that people can know one another so well family best friends partners and they will still love you while seeing all of the sides of who you are it feels like this super low chance and yet it happens all the time and it's I feel like it's easy to overlook the good qualities of ourselves and also it's easier to overlook certain qualities that we dislike than it is to actually hide them, which is essentially what she's saying. I mean, all in all, this song is the ultimate love song, which is ironic because Lucy tends to feel that she can't write a love song. She said she's never written a love song, but most of the songs on this album that are written by Lucy or at least sung by Lucy are love songs. song on the record is one of my absolute favorites i think it might be my favorite song on this record i think instantly it has an entirely different sound from the past four songs i know lucy dacus doesn't like this term but it feels more americana and more folksy and more instrumental than the other ones it's not as the production is definitely different and it feels kind of it sounds wholesome when you first hear it it sounds it gives me Graceland 2 vibes. It feels very much like this is this other side of Boy Genius that loves their country music and loves their classic take away the production, just me and the guitar kind of sound. I know Phoebe has reiterated that she loves that kind of music. It feels like they were very much inspired by The Boxer by Paul Simon, which they have said um, because it kind of has that uh, plucking, that melody, that little refrain. It has a major chords but it's actually one of the sadder songs on the album i think this is the one that has so much like internal deep meaning to it the three of them are kind of telling their own story that are kind of blanketed with this in this one song three different perspectives to a story i think this song can be read in two ways overall the first way that i can read it is like it would be each of the band members discussing how they cope with their past relationships and getting through heartbreak. As we'll hear, Julian tries to be cool about it, Lucy tries to forget about it, and Phoebe tries not to talk about it. All these aspects are representative of themselves trying not to be who they are, or trying like not to carry out bad and unhealthy traits when resolving feelings for something that happened in the past. Every one of the things that they're refraining, that they're saying, is actually what they tend to do the opposite of. And they're trying to 
get through these bad habits by trying to do the opposite. Being overly emotional, replaying every event that happened, and wanting to sort everything out discursively. I also want to know that this is obviously like a shared song. Each member gets a solo verse, and then the choruses or refrains are shared by all of them singing in unison. So this is the first one of those songs on this album where like they each have their individual allotted verses and then they sing together in choruses, which is usually how I would imagine a song with a super group kind of sounding if the three of them are all going to be individual solo singers. But before I get into the song more in depth, there's a second meaning that can be read into the song. And this one's sadder and more personal. And this is all based on speculations. I have no idea if this is true. This is just how I read it based on knowing some of the you know, lore of Boy Genius, their history, uh, based on the Holy Trinity of Boy Genius, which is Graceland 2 and Please Stay in Favor. So I think a lot of fans could read it this way. Um, we know that Julian Baker has a history with addiction, and it also could be read as each of their ways of coping with Julian's past, including her own, trying to believe that she's doing better with the way she presents herself. Imagine the three of them are hanging out and Julian is trying to act cool, like she's passed everything that she's gone through, and Lucy's trying to forget about the past that she knew too well, trying not to fear a relapse in the future, trying to forget everything she saw, which we know is a kind of reference to Please Stay. And then Phoebe wants to talk through it. She wants to be sure that Julian is telling the truth. Truth is also kind of a pattern in the song. Ask you easy questions about work and school I'm trying to be cool about it Feeling like an absolute fool about it Wishing you were kind enough to be cruel about it So getting into the song, the first verse is sung by Julian And it's about, she talks about hanging out with somebody from her past Who she hasn't really seen in a while and kind of having small talk that occurs when two people are catching up. Like I said, it's this fictitious idea of her and an unnamed person having a conversation. Maybe unnamed people. This light, casual topic discussed. And like, she's trying to just keep things light and airy. Kind of how she talks about in her song, Favor. to keep things light and doesn't want to get into the darkness and talk about what's really going on and i think that goes for a lot of people who are struggling they don't really want to talk to people who especially the people that they love the most about the hardships that they're going through because they don't want them to worry and they don't want to burden them give them another thing to think about they just want to appear how they want to be you know you want to seem like you're doing good what you really want in the conversation is just to be in a good mood for once around people that put you in a good mood around people you love You don't want to bring down the mood because of yourself. You don't want to be the reason why somebody is not feeling good. And it's kind of talking about how she can see that even the other person is trying to do the same thing. And she sings, Telling myself I can always do without it Knowing that it probably isn't true This specifically, I think, resonates to me as a reference to addiction in general and the way an addict has trouble believing that their sobriety can last forever, even if it is temporarily sticking. It's difficult to stop using, but I think 
what's harder is once you get clean is realizing you're never going to be able to go back as much as you tell yourself oh no it's just temporary just to get you to do it like you have to tell yourself just for today in order to get to the next day and it's hard to come to terms with the fact that you're never going to go back and it's it feels too much of a commitment and I wonder when she says telling myself that she's just really trying to communicate with herself in this scenario trying to check up on herself and be like oh I'm good I've got this even though it's not true Sometimes we have to pretend to ourselves what we're pretending to others just as much to get through it. I came prepared for absolution if you don't leave. Okay, so the second verse is sung by Lucy. Kind of a reference to also meeting up with a person from her from their past, like a similar scenario, but with a different purpose. So Lucy's more focused on absolving her past and moving on not on how she appears in the current moment to the person. So this is why I think it kind of does give more evidence to my theory. Whatever the past is, she's trying to move on, whether it is with a ex-relationship, another person from her life, or trying to let go of the things that she has seen and her fear of her friend who seems to be doing well now going back to a place of peril. But I'm trying to forget about it Feeling like I'm breaking a sweat about it Wishing you would kindly get out of my head about it Telling myself one day I'll forget about it Knowing that it probably isn't true Both her and Julian are kind of singing about how they know what they want probably won't happen. It's this kind of acceptance that we tell ourselves lies to get through the day. And we know deep down that these things that we want are probably not true. And Lucy wants to forgive and forget. I think that's a really common theme in her music. She really wants to absolve her past. And whether that's in a relationship or things she's seen happen to a loved one. And she can almost read through the lies that another person's feeding her. Which kind of makes the listener wonder, is this conversation these two verses and choruses between two people like is it a discourse the two verses to one another whatever the case is lucy's sticking to her constant internal struggle forgiveness and absolution and i like that each chorus each refrain is slightly different even though it kind of has the about it but again it's talking about how they cope in situations now both of these verses have been okay they've been straightforward and honest even maybe even hopeful like when you first heard it when I first heard it it sounded like oh this is gonna be a cheerier one it has you know it's a banjo being plucked got the C major it's gotta be a kind of positive cheery song through my reading obviously it's sad but you know if you're just going through like what they're saying it's not actually the saddest thing they're trying to do okay you can always rely on Phoebe Bridgers to absolutely bring the depressive lyrics to the table and she never fails. And her verse opens, we hear her, again, incredibly beautiful. I'll never get over her voice. Once I took your medication to know what it's like. And now I have to act like I can't read your mind. If there was any possibility that this song 
might be a lighter, a more typical representation of people thinking over their past relationships, a typical song that are simply sad about the way that it ended. As is typical for a breakup ballad, this line absolves it altogether. Because this is a boy genius song, after all. It kind of makes it clear that, at least in Phoebe's case, she's not simply heartbroken over a relationship ending. This is a reflection on the heaviest heaviness of mental illness and how that was a huge part of the relationship and how it affected both of the people in the relationship or all of them if it's about the three of them. This line really shows a sense of a loved one trying to understand a person's suffering from their poor mental health, just trying to get in their heads in every way that they can. A lot of times people want to understand how to help someone and the way that they think that is best is like what are they going through like you have to understand what a person's going through to understand how to help them and be there for them this is like a metaphor for getting into somebody's head and seeing what they're going through and with this line she's realizing what like their medication does for them it's worse that she knows because she feels even worse and feels even more out of touch with how to help curiosity killed the cat is basically the phrase that summarizes this line she wanted to see how the person's mind worked always feeling like an outsider to their suffering and now that she's understood she wants to go back because she can't not see their pain anymore and she can't even pretend which is like i said what this song is about it's about pretending like trying to overlook it many times a lot of people who see their loved ones going through stuff have a lot of different coping strategies and one of them might be overlooking it and pretending like everything's fine and just trying not to take it seriously. Now all three of them seem to not cope in the latter way and they tend to be overly caring and they are aware that pretending that everything is fine is not actually going to work out and this is an example that she tried so hard to understand them that now she has to pretend that she can't see their pain every single day. She knows too well now almost what they how what they're going through. And she circles back to Julian's line, I ask you easy questions about work and school by singing I ask you how you're doing and I let you lie But we don't have to talk about it now she's this is the first time we're seeing that okay she is aware and it, it just proves that if this is a continuous conversation between two friends another one of them who is stuff suffering phoebe can read right through it and she sees right through it just like lucy's verse despite them all trying to be cool about it which is you know the title of the song they all know the truth and sometimes the best gift you can give a person is just letting them lie knowing that you all know that you're lying but you're just gonna let it happen because it's it's a favor sometimes i think it's just easier to give the person that comfort even if it's false and you let them think that they're convincing their loved ones that they're okay you just have to do it and put aside your feelings even if it's difficult 
And Phoebe here is her verse is saying she wants to try to open up a heavier conversation. She wants to try to help. She wants to, you know, understand them and try to get to the bottom of this. But she, she can also understand them better and knows that what they really want is just a simple, like, conversation. I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes the most, just the nice thing to do is just let, let things be. Not try to make every moment a way to change everything and just have some moments of peace even if internally you guys are all not feeling peaceful. Sometimes it's actually better. Sometimes the opposite issue of, you know, putting on too many pretenses and not getting anywhere is trying to get everywhere and not getting anywhere because you're trying to be too vulnerable. And sometimes you need to lie to one another and act like you're okay. The reason that that exists is because you need it to get through, a, you know, a relationship and get and get through life. You can, everything can't always be about resolution. And I think that's what they're all kind of realizing. I think what Phoebe's saying here is she understands that often when a person's not doing well, they'll start to realize that all their conversations are about their pain and how to ease it, how to get better. Suddenly everything, every conversation circles back to just the one part of who they are, their struggling part, no matter how dominant that is, because it's your flaw. But sometimes all that a person wants is just to pretend to be normal. And Phoebe really understands this. And I and this can also not just be about like addiction or mental health, but it can just be about a relationship in general. You know, we want to fix everyone's flaws instead of just letting things be. And I think Phoebe really understands this. It's just putting aside her wants for the purpose of pleasing the other person. Sometimes you have to be a little bit selfless, even though your intentions are selfless. And I think she reflects on putting on her best show as well, just like Julian was saying it from her perspective and Lucy saying it from her perspective. Sometimes even if you are fine, you have to put on your best show and act like you believe the other person's fine too. I think relationships can be a lot about pretending, especially the precarious relationships. And she even references water and drowning in this line, which I think is really cool because it reminds me of Moon Song. I love the way that she ends the song with this perfect tie to the other two's verses who both said in the past that the things they wanted probably weren't true right so they're still giving themselves the benefit of the doubt which is why i think the other two verses are lighter you know aside from obviously just being a little bit less specific they're all saying you know even though it probably isn't true so there there's some room there it could be true Whereas Phoebe, I think in general, she tends to be more of a realist. This is why I sometimes think that this song is about them, because it might be representative of her. Now, obviously, I don't know Phoebe Bridgers as a person, but, you know, music expresses a lot of who they are. And I, I feel like Phoebe tends to be a little bit more of a realist and kind of cut to the chase. And she doesn't like to convince herself of things, which she's kind of expressing with this. She doesn't like to pretend she wants to be vulnerable and I really relate to her there I I don't like putting on pretenses although sometimes it is necessary and I think she really wants to believe her words her own words as she tells the person that she can see they're doing better but she's also aware that there's no probability and I think the ending to it is just like closing it up we started off acting light and caring and by the end of the song we got to the truth which is the revelation that none of this is true. It's a really cool paradox. I think this song is actually perfect. And it's a darker theme than the last songs that we've started out with. 
while having a slightly more major chord progression, which I really like that it juxtaposes that way, uh, with the light acoustics of the banjo and the guitar and the simplicity of the production with the super sad elements of the lyrics, which is like a common thing, I think, with Boy Genius, Phoebe Bridger's music, Lucy's, all of them. This next song is their third shared song, and it's also their most famous hit, Not Strong Enough. It's a perfect juxtaposition with another super dark, like I said, this is like a common theme that they do, and this song is a really good, um, I think Cool About It was a great intro to this song, actually, and I, you know, as I always say, I think that Phoebe and all of them are amazing at putting together a perfect track list. There is a real art to putting a track list together on an album to make it seamless. Not Strong Enough is an example of exactly what I was talking about. Not Strong Enough is like the sister to Cool About It. You know, before they're each talking about one another, and now they're talking about themselves. And Not Strong Enough is another perfect juxtaposition of a super dark topic revolving around, you know, depression getting in the way of being in a relationship that is healthy with the musical backdrop that's light, upbeat, poppy, and just danceable. It's, But yeah, it really does feel like a follow-up to that last song because it kind of talks about the same things. I think Boy Genius is amazing because they will give you songs that you want to jump around and dance to, but the moment you listen to the lyrics, you just want to lay down and cry. I think Not Strong Enough is a super relatable song, actually, to at least anyone who struggles with emotional and mental unavailability and mental fatigue. Light topics, right? First verse is sung by Phoebe. She sings about physical exhaustion, the mental incapacity to accomplish any task, even the smallest ones, like switching the clocks to all be the same time. Black hole opened in the kitchen Every clock's a different time It would only take the energy to fix it It's this idea that even the simplest of things feel like the heaviest burden I think the clocks that all say a different time kind of is a metaphor and tells us what we need to know about the emotional and mental weight that she's feeling on her. I don't know if I should be saying her because we don't know who wrote this, but the writer of this. We can assume that when an artist is writing music, it can be reflective on their lives. So she sums up her lack of strength simply by painting this imagery, which is like juxtaposing this great chasm of a black hole this like open void in her kitchen, which is like a domestic place, you know, that usually is like a joyful place. But it's actually just the minor thing of having an unorganized time system is really what that black hole, that void is. It's representative of how like the tiniest things that could be solved so easily feel so unsolvable sometimes and can feel like the biggest things in the world and provide people so much anxiety. It's also just like plays on this idea that if I can't do something that is meaningful and important and life-changing, I may as well just not do them at all. It's this kind of disconnect. It's like, I want to do everything or nothing. Prioritizing of the extremes and not being able to do anything else. It's almost like your mind is saving its energy, its mental energy for only the things that are necessary because it needs to allot that energy because it's not just 
an endless supply of mental energy to keep doing things. You have to only do the tasks that are the most important because you won't be able to do everything. It's this internal like anxiety and like prediction that I need to save this for only the things that matter. And I think little things that are not fixed can say a lot about somebody. As I said with Please Stay when I was talking about that, I think the littlest things can be the most exemplifying of a person's mental condition. Staring at your ceiling and being like, I literally can't show up for anybody if I can't change the clocks in my kitchen and I can't do a simple task. It's like, you don't want to see this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All this to say, it's like, it feels pointless to use the little energy that you have to do something inconsequential and unimportant. There's this saying that I think of, if it takes less than two minutes, just do it now. That doesn't really account for the people like, what Phoebe's saying, who get anxious all the time from any task, even the quickest ones, because they can take a toll on your whole day. She goes on to sing for the first time the motif of Besides being a catchy line, there's a lot of truth to this. I think often we genuinely can't understand why our brains work a certain way. And it reminds me of this line that Julian has from, from Happy to Be Here by Julian Baker. If I could do what I want, I would become an electrician. I'd climb inside my ears and I'd rearrange the wires in my brain. It really reminds me of that. Sometimes people are just like, I really don't know why my brain works this way. And I f you feel like a disconnect to yourself. Sometimes people don't understand why such, or people with anxiety don't understand why such tiny, minute things can create such emotional havoc and distress on them and it doesn't really make sense and you and sometimes you have to just be honest and be like I genuinely don't know why this is why I work like this and I wish I could change it but I know I can't the line is repeated three times in this song once by each of them but what's interesting is that for each one of the singers sings it in a slightly different way with a different tone and like pauses they even like I think they put emphasis on different parts to reflect where they stand on the statement and how they feel about it. So like beginning with this one, in Phoebe's tone, it's highly suggested that she's unhappy and depressed by the idea. And there's a real, I, I don't know, this first verse really sounds hopeless is what I, what I felt when I heard it. It feels super hopeless and self-critical. And she doesn't know how to fix who she is and she doesn't like the way who she is. It's this kind of negative, kind of like, I've given up sort of stand. And she's saying it kind of like helplessly, like, yep, this is it. And I can't fix it, not in this life. She claims she's not strong enough in the first chorus. Boy Genius doesn't structure their music in a super linear, typical way that a lot of artists do. Like I always say, like Taylor Swift has her signature style that most artists use, especially in the pop industry. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. And they don't really do that. And in this one, all three choruses are unique and different to each singer, which I love. I love that they individualize the song, even the parts of their song, to the singer and to themselves. And I feel like it's probably the parts that they wrote, although Phoebe did say she wrote this one, even Julian's part. But 
catered to knowing Julian was going to sing this part. So catered to Julian as a person individually. And she explains that, Phoebe explains in her chorus, she's reached the end. And she's like, I, she tried to be strong and she wound up spending another day doing nothing, having emotional whirlwinds of anxiety and panic with the line. I try, I can't stop staring at the ceiling fan. Which is just so representative and so relatable. <laughs> having your day ruined by a small task. But whatever the case, she has resolved herself, I think, at this point, to self-isolation and pity and found herself unavailable to be there for anyone, and that includes herself. The first verse, the first chorus and verse is just like, I'm done. I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless, and I don't believe this is going to change. I don't know why this is the way it is, but it is the way I am, and I'm not. I can't change it. And I think there's a really great deal of sadness when we hear that a person can't even stand to be with themselves and can't imagine anyone else in turn to be there for them. If you don't even like yourself and you can't put up with yourself, it's impossible to imagine anyone else putting up with you. <laughs> and you have to be okay with yourself to let others in your life and you're gonna be kind of emotional. Don't let yourself pity yourself. I feel like that's another voice in the milieu of uh, self-hatred. Hating yourself for hating yourself? Yes. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. We get to Julian's line, and she has a totally different insight on who she is. And this is kind of unlike her, because Julian, she brings the sadness to the table, especially in her individual work. And she's talking about being reckless and putting herself and others in danger. Drag racing through the canyon. Rather than being on the careful, defensive side, maybe like Phoebe, who just like isolates herself to laying on her bed and staring at the ceiling fan, Julian has a different approach. And I think this could be representative of how they suffer from their own mental conditions, where Julian's uh, instincts tell her to be reckless and take risks, and she ends up winding up hurting both herself and the other person, or at least worrying constantly worrying that she will and getting these like it you know phoebe said she's like when she wrote it she imagined like when you're driving super fast and you just imagine these you have these obsessive thoughts about like just like crashing and she discusses not carefully considering what she's actually doing and imagines what would happen or what someone else would be thinking during this imagining them crashing and then she sings she is kind of reckless but also working on self-acceptance like she's in the process she hasn't given up on herself and in her course she sings that she actually lied and I, I think this is really cool and that she says no she is strong enough to be there for somebody but not in the way that she should or what the other person expected of her she's just lowering their expectations she's like I can be strong enough it's just not the typical version of strong that you're probably imagining when you got into a relationship with me and she's doing her very best and being her strongest but uh, she also kind of gives this insight that she's 
barely strong enough. Like she'll be there, but only enough just to keep that person from leaving. Second guessing if she's actually strong enough for them or if she's making it up. She's working on bettering herself, but she knows she's not quite there yet. And she's accepted that. And she hasn't decided that she is incapable of being in a relationship, but knows she probably isn't the healthiest person to be around. You know, Lucy talks about that this song is kind of like having strangely a God complex. It's kind of like when a person says, oh, I am the saddest person ever, or I am the least strong person ever. Okay, you're being self-deprecating, but you're still the best at that. You're the best at being the worst is still you're the best at something. You're still putting yourself on a pedestal on a hierarchy of being at the top. Still representative of your ego and, and of uh, having a God complex. Being like, I don't know why, like I'm frustrated that my brain works how it does. So I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's gonna be more expected of us than us writing <laughs> about hating our own brains? And then I think it got more special to me when it the element like Phoebe has expressed it as like self-hatred plus having a God complex. Like sometimes you feel like you're the best thing ever and like both of those states can be happening at the same time yeah they're the same um, guy to me yeah oh yeah and then the bridge is is the iconic part of the song and probably one of the most notable lyrics of boy genius and it's just one simple line repeated over and over slowly building as the music intensifies it's it's in the order that's parallel to without you without them with Lucy starting, Phoebe adding on, and then Julian adding to the final harmony of them because Lucy's the lowest voice, Phoebe's the alto, and then Julian does the higher parts. And then I think repetition is a pattern lyrically that can be seen in all three of, of their solo work. And they repeat this very meaningful lyric of God line I've been sitting on for a while like receiving praise for being subservient the best that you can do is be the best second in command if you can't be powerless you can at least excel in your powerlessness now I could probably talk about this line for a very very long time or it might just be so ineffable that I can never put it into words because it's so significant and insightful and important it ties into the entire boy genius philosophy. Like this line represents boy genius. Men are the gods and women are the angels. Men are the, you know, it's this hierarchical description. Men are the highest level, the most powerful, and women are the providers. They're the sweet ones. They're the angels. And you do what's expected of you, but what's expected of you is never enough. Like, men are in rock bands. Women are in female rock bands. You know what? I'm, it's the same concept of what boy genius means. It's the boys are told that they're geniuses at birth, and women are told that they have to 
learn and better themselves. It's a gender hierarchical thing, which is what Boy Genius is all about. It's like erasing those barriers and those societal norms and constructs. And it's basically based on the heteronormativity and the justification of gender hierarchy and trying to break that cycle. Always being second best and knowing that you're never going to be good enough. Women in music can relate to this a lot is always feeling second best to somebody who will always be told that they're better and more applauded for the same things that you do. And I, again, adding to that, I think that adds to their kind of non-binary, you know, term of your man. They're kind of making fun of how, like, men will be unavailable emotionally and kind of using that as an excuse in a way. And it's kind of playing on that, that they can do that too. And having a god complex while also self-loathing having the two live in sync in synchronicity and it's just referencing the over appraisal of men and the undermining of women's power and i think being the angel ties into julian's line especially of lowering someone's expectations under delivering because you're just doing your best and your best is never enough and then we get to lucy's solo verse where she finally gets a chance to kind of belt, and she sings. I don't know why I am the way I am in a really defiant tone and she lets go of her internal critic I think with this line it, to me that's what I'm reading from it and she's letting she's trying to let go of her past as she goes home alone which is how she ends the song she's coping with herself and trying to really better herself on her own without needing somebody else another reflection on the religious component of this song is I think I've been having revelations you know with this song and perhaps that is the chant that she's hearing in her mind as she's driving home. And that's her revelation. It is far harder to kill a phantom than a reality. Also, oh. like, throughout the song, talking about feeling trapped in inaction or spiraling. You can talk about that conceptually, but then repeating that almost, like, is creating a space of redundancy and, like, not escaping and just, like, repeating the wrong story to yourself over mm -hmm. and over. I really wanted a high note and, and I was like do night shift <laughs> at Lucy when we were recording this because just like a belt at the end it imbues this lyric that's been self-deprecating the entire song with like acceptance or celebration we all cheered <laughs> yeah, we all we cheered, cheered in the control room when Lucy hit that note not strong enough is just such a complex song I think sometimes with such a catchy tone you you're not even fully listening to the lyrics and then you're like oh my god, this is so insightful and so important to also take time to listen to the to the lyrics. Now that we're at the end of the song, I'm like, this song's really, really vibes-based. It's cohesive, but we've been saying so many disparate things, but also it's just kind of fun to listen to. Like they wanted to have a hit. They wanted to have a, a crowd-pleaser, a poppy song, a fun song to dance to, but sticking to their, you know, typical poetry and wanting to portray a message and kind of making a point that not all messages that are meaningful need to be with a slow ballad. And that is where I'm going to stop because this is going to be a really long podcast as it is. And while I'm not doing every single song, I'm going to split this album up in 
a half. And so these are the first six songs analyzed. And next week, I'm going to do all the songs from Revolution Zero to Letter to an Old Poet. And I'm so excited to review those. So until next time.